You're listening to the A-Connector Podcast with host Mark Foreman. Let's get connecting. Yeah. Okay, so here we are. This is A Connector Podcast with host Mark Foreman, and I'm talking to my mate down in the Southern Hemisphere, down in New Zealand, as a matter of fact, and this is John Crawford. How are you doing today, John? I'm not doing too bad, thanks, Mark. Well, that's good to know. So what can, what can make it better? If you're not doing too bad, there's got to be something that would make it even better. What would that be, John? If the sun came out and the wind stopped blowing, it's pretty simple. So you're going through winter down there. Roger that. Yeah, it's sort of a winter's petering away, but it's sort of taking longer than normal to peter. But um, so Wellington traditionally um, is very windy, and uh, the cold winds come up from the South Island where the snow is this time of year. So it's, it, it can get cold and windy, but never snows in the city. You know, the only snow you get in New Zealand is really in the South Island, plus some of the mountains in the North Island where the skiing and snowboarding goes on. But yeah, Wellington's always got a nice freshness, the freshness to the air, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you've been living in Wellington your whole life? No, no, I was, I was, um, I was born the other side of the island, a little place called Napier, and then I went to the other side of the island again, the west coast, by a big mountain called Mount Taranaki, and I went to school there, and you know, went to boarding school, and they tried to get me into shape, and it never worked. But yep. I've been around a bit different different parts of the country. Okay. And so for those of us that have never visited New Zealand, I mean, obviously a lot of us know New Zealand through some really big hit movies like uh, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. etc. Uh, we, we do know it's a very beautiful country. So uh, is, are some of the movies I'm talking about, were those done on the, on the, on the North Island or uh, North and well, South Island or... Well, because New Zealand is, is fairly sparsely populated, like I think there's, what, six million people now, there's lots of there's lots of beautiful country where there's no people and there's big valleys and rivers and lakes, and so there's a, there's a multitude of options for the movie makers, which is why a lot of um, a lot of movie making is done in New Zealand, but of course that's changed now because of the coronavirus, because uh, right. people travel a lot harder and the quarantine, you know, creating restrictions for people coming and going everything's changed including the uh, film industry mm-hmm. so speaking of coronavirus i mean hasn't hasn't new zealand been on lockdown for a while now or what was what yeah. the current status we got to the bottom end of lockdown um after not having any any um community cases for just over 100 days and then boom it started sneaking back again because people got a bit complacent but, um, you know, we're back on track now, and uh, the last three days there's been no community cases, but there's still cases that have been picked up at the border, of course, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. But, you know, everyone's on tenderhooks. Having said that, I've said everyone, but some people are still blasé, as I'm sure they are in America. But, um, boy, it's still uh, it's still pretty scary stuff, and it's something that is going to be with us for a while, I'm sure. It's just a matter of adapting. If you don't adapt, you die. Right, you right. Know, but uh, the way you think um, as a business person and a lot of businesses are suffering you know my uh, my commission photography works dropped right off yeah but uh, yeah, I can still play around the iPhone and get 
you know, and uh, shoot all my personal stuff, which is my passion. Sure. Sure, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Actually, I have a, a friend that just got back to Taiwan. He's a he's a private pilot. He's got a client here that he works for exclusively. And during, I'd say, well, most of the last half a year, uh, he's been back in New Zealand, partially under lockdown. And, and uh, you know, he, here in Taiwan, too, I think uh, if you leave the country, uh, once you come back, it's like mandatory uh, two-week uh, quarantine. So yeah. it's been kind of tricky for everybody, and he just got paid. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, my came back from New York, and she had to do the fourteen days, and she hated it, but um, she was blown away by how easy it is here compared to America. Um, anyway, let's right. let's not waste too much time on the coronavirus, but it is sure. there, and it's something we need to be um, pretty smart about. Right. Well, speaking of not wasting time with the coronavirus and getting to something more uh, of interest to our listeners and, and both you and myself, why don't we talk about some of your photography and in specific, I know you're very, very active over on Instagram, which is how I found out about you. Uh, yep. And I believe your Instagram handle is Johnny Craw. I will put that in notes, but it's J-O-H-N-N-I-E-C-R-A-W. Is that correct? Johnny Crawford, yeah. Right, so that's short for your actual name, which is John Crawford, and we'll put that in the notes. Okay, so John, um, what I'd really like is, you know, you've got so many really powerful images and some with really great stories to go with them, and I think that's what really kind of got uh, got uh, you on my radar is because so many photographers like to express themselves mostly through the images and then other people you know, maybe like to express themselves mostly through words, and you seem fairly adept at doing both. So I think that's something that has appealed to me, and I think probably a lot of other people. So I think, uh, if you don't mind, I know there's one image I've looked at before, and you've got a great story that goes with that. There's an image of a of a of a bloke named Hori. Uh, that's right. Would you yeah, tell us right. a little? Yeah. Just before I touch on Hori, I would just okay. want to go back to your comment about the words versus the photograph. Okay. I've sort of. Uh, you know, reached a point now where I think of, you know, um, obviously a photograph is a lot more easy to understand if it's got a story, particularly of people. I mean, everyone's got a story to tell. And it's, you know, I like to get an image that will stand out by itself and also a story that will stand out by itself. But together they go hand in hand and one supports the other. So, um, Hori, he was, uh, I photographed him about... Uh, First met him about four years ago on the street in Auckland. It was part of a part of part of a series I did on the homeless that survived in the streets of Auckland. Um, you know, living outside and and uh, getting by. You know, summer and winter, sleeping in, in in doorways and sitting on the pavement, and you know, getting you know with a handout for coins and food. And you know, I decided to do a series of portraits of these guys, um, which sort of started as a seed and grew into a big tree and became an exhibition. In the exhibition, we raised um, eighty-seven thousand dollars, which was um, all gifted to the charity. Oh, that's support. good. But um, you know, and uh, all these guys have got stories. But Hori, he he's got a great story because um, you know he lives he lives in the bush. He lives in the bush in a little hut, and uh, you know, about two hours north of Auckland, and he's you know he survives. You know, getting water from the streams, lives off the land. He catches eels and mullet and rabbits and shoots deer, 
and he says his best friends are the Karuru, or the Kururu, which is a native wood pigeon. Okay. Um, and he's just, you know, he looks he looks menacing, but he's a real gentle soul, a lovely spirit. But you know, the only way you find out about the people, the only way you find out about these people is to spend the time and sit and talk with them. And you know, once you once you get their confidence and they start talking, it's just awesome what you find out. Well, you don't find anything out in life if you don't talk to people. Right. Talking's talking's a skill, but the biggest skill is actually listening to what people are saying. Mm-hmm. But, so yeah, uh, is a joy. So let me just uh, uh, see if I've got this straight. So for this for this kind of a series, I don't think you're doing this uh, purely candid. I think you're probably talking to these people. And explain what you're doing and why you're doing it, and seeing if they're comfortable to pose for you. Is that how you're yeah. setting up yeah, these well, shots? Set first, and then, like in this particular series, once you've got one in the bag, and once you've mm-hmm. got a few, a few images on your phone, you can show people. You know, I sit and sure. chat and say, I start the conversation, particularly with Hori. I'd say, um, Hey, man, I really love your tattoos. I'm doing a series of photographs on uh, people I meet on the streets with tattoos. You know, can we have a chat? And um, you know, most people are keen to talk, and you sort of you chat away, and 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 the conversation doesn't stop. And then I say, hey, listen, you know, can we get your picture? Do you want to do it now, or do you want to meet me later in the day, or what's 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 best for you? You know, so it's not too forced. You give them an option, and uh, you know, I had a few, I had a few um, spots in uh, in the city that I take people to which is really close to the main street it's just down little side lanes where the light's very unflattering and it's sort of dark and dark and grungy which sort of suits the type of portrait I'm after Um, and it does become very contrived as as you can see from my portraits I I don't um, get people to smile I just like them looking at camera very comfortably and calmly and I take lots of shots and then um, and then I just, you know, we talk more and that's it. And I show them what we've got. You know, when you're going, if you, when, when you're shooting, if you can show people what you're doing, it just brings them even even more. It makes it become, you know, they become part of the process. Right. They, 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 they get, take more ownership of the process. That's right. And you can get their opinion. You say, hey, what do you think of this? And then, you know, not in this case, but, you know, quite a few quite a few of the street people I photographed have got big body tattoos and mm-hmm. I say listen just we'll just shoot the first shot which like I've got of Hori and then I say listen uh, you know have you got any other tattoos on your on your on your chest under your shirt and they say yeah yeah man and I say um, you know are you cool you know can we have a look at that in fact how about you know taking your you mind taking your shirt off and it might be the middle of winter and bloody freezing oh, cold geez. I'm dressed up with a beanie and a hoodie on and they say, sure, man, because they love to show them. Right. You know, most people have got tattoos. They love people to acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. So I've got some of these big, tough, bloody gang members that have spent years in prison down to these shorts and no shirt on. And they suddenly become very humble. And, and, and you see the real person because they're not covered, they're not covered, by, they're not covered by shirts or, or leather jackets or right. chains or... I mean, I shouldn't say change, but you know what I mean. You know, yeah, and they're also reconnecting to the story behind each one of them and kind of actually going back within themselves to that point in time or, you know, and really connecting with the whole reason they had that tattoo in the first place. That's right. And, you know, when you get someone down just to bare-chested, um, you know, you're seeing, the, you're seeing the person as they are. Mm-hmm. They're hiding 
thing, and 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 they tend to they tend to let more out, and it becomes more real. And you know, I I take a lot of attention to um, the way the person's looking at the camera with their eyes, because the eyes the eyes tell the stories as well. Right, so it gets the imagination going. Just out of curiosity, let's say, like in, in the case of Hori, and I realize it's approximate. How many how many shots of him do you think you took, and you know that you ended up selecting this one? I mean, ten, twenty, more. Take, I'd take, I'd, I'd take up to a hundred shots pretty quickly. Really? Mm-hmm. I'd take half a dozen of you know the one, one angle, then I shift around a bit the profile, and I might move them down the wall a bit to get a bit of a, you know, a grungier light, or I might take them somewhere else. But you know, quite often you've only got you've only got a minute because people don't want to hang around. Right, so, right. But, you know, with Hori, he gave me the privilege of time. Cool. So, and you know, I photographed him a few times after that. Quite a few of the people I photographed, I see on the street, so I talk to them again and uh, you know, shoot some more pics because I, you know, I live and breathe photography. Right. So this shot of Hori, and I think most of your work on Instagram are, are done exclusively with an iPhone camera. Is that correct, John? Yes. Yes. And just one more point before that, you know, Hori's real name because he's he's um, he's a local boy, he's a Maori. His real name is Hori Winiata, Hui Tahiri Hari Haringai Haramui Kuri. Wow, so that's that's a mouthful. Mouth. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Do you, do you know what it means? No, it's just a number of names that he's been given by his okay. family. Okay. You know, um, yeah, each of his names comes from his ancestors going right back to his great-great-grandfather. I see. You know, so each name has a connection. Sure. Anyway, sorry, I went off course a bit there, mate. No, that's okay. Interesting, too, because, you know, here in Taiwan and also in Hawaii, because, you know, here in Taiwan there's a number of different indigenous tribes with ties uh, to the Maori as well. And also, that being said, the Hawaiians also have ties with the Maori as, and also have ties with the indigenous tribes in Taiwan. So even when you were saying the Maori names, it kind of had almost like that Polynesian kind of multisyllabic sound and flow to them. So just an observation on my part. Yeah, it's interesting. Please continue. Um, so what was your question, Mark? Sorry, I lost, I lost Do, it. Yeah, that's okay. I, originally, I was asking about how many photos you took, and then I mentioned that uh, I was just ch- double-checking that you're shooting primarily with an iPhone uh, camera these days. Yep. yep. Yeah, I shoot everything on the iPhone. I shoot almost exclusively using Hipstamatic, which I love because okay. it, sort of, it gives it that different look right from the start. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then I play with the images quite a bit using Snapseed. Okay. And you see how much I shoot everything in a square because I've been around a while and um, you know I shot a lot of stuff all my life as a as a as a corporate um, photographer working for all sorts of different clients here and internationally and you know over a working career you always shoot on a on a um, with a rectangular format mm-hmm. like on a thirty five mil format or or medium format which is six seven so it's all within a rectangle so shooting within a square. Gives you a different, a different mindset. Yeah, composing it does. A, yeah, it's quite different to composing a rectangle, and I like the, I like the freshness of that. So, pretty much everything I post, although it's changing, I weave it. Pretty, yeah, most of the stuff I post is in a square, and I shoot it in a square. What? And I try and get everything in camera, so I don't have to crop anything afterwards. 
What size film camera is shot shot in square, or is it, or is it a crop off of like no, was it a medium, medium, medium format? format? Film cameras you can get um, you can get square back six by six, or you can get okay. six by seven backs, or some right. are built to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Plus you can get lamps formats, but the traditional thirty five mil format. 24 to 36 centimeters that's uh that's your typical landscape portion right you know? right so, so a square is lovely i like squares yeah no the, the, it presents well and i think that's one reason too why your photographs i hadn't thought about it before but now that you mentioned it, it's kind of okay especially in the portrait work it really it just frames it it just frames it so well i mean it's like yeah, you right. know nothing but the meat nothing yeah. wasted no no excess it's just the key the key information. Yeah, different compositional um, uh, aspects too, because the two lines between the two corners are equal length. Right. And make, and they make bang in the middle. Whereas whereas if you're um, if you're shooting a rectangle, you know it's it's a different mindset. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the uh, the iPhone and Hipstamatic is fantastic. And as you know, Hipstamatic has got. Um, all sorts of options and film and lenses and and it's so confusing because the reason that people shoot on the iPhone and love it is it's so simple but the minute you start getting involved with choosing different well they call it lens and film options but it's all just uh, applications but right. um, it becomes complicated so I've just narrowed it down to, to one film and one and one lens now so I've, I flick into hipstamatic and boom I'm away without thinking mm-hmm. because it's spontaneous it's and another cool thing about the camera, mm-hmm. shooting on the iPhone, is it's less intrusive when you're shooting portraits. Yes. Well, it's not intrusive. Mm-hmm. Because people relate to a phone. I agree with that. That's, so. been, that's been my experience. I, I should mention a mutual friend of ours, uh, Eric Mencher. Um, yeah. What kind of got me into this uh, new mindset and this new uh, standard operating procedure of using iPhone only was when I was looking at his images and realizing that from whatever point he decided he was going to be shooting only with the iPhone and realizing, wow, he's got some amazing, amazing images, as do you. And so that was like, well, okay, because I always struggle with it. I mean, it's like I was, you know, I was comfortable working with the, the DSLR and, you know, I would take some shots with the, you know, with the phone, but always kind of like, well, this is kind of like, you know, it's good for when you don't have anything. But, you know, because the form factor was more of a challenge than than with a, a proper well a proper camera for lack of better words, and then once I saw what you guys were doing, and I started working with, it, I said, okay, I'm determined. I'm going to make it. I'm going to conquer the form factor and just have it become my primary camera. And I'm I'm at a point now where I'm really loving that and experiencing yeah. an ease of doing it. Yeah, I think I think ease of doing it is the um, is uh, is is the catch point because it's. It is easy. You pull out, you pull it out of your pocket, and boom, you're away shooting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was built up in the film day, and in the film days, where you'd have a couple of couple of camera bodies, half a dozen lenses, tripod lights, and it was just, you know, it's no good for your back, no good for your shoulder. But you know, the, you know, the iPhones, it's fantastic, and and you know, I'm lucky to be, to have been getting a few um, a corporate commission jobs to shoot. Um, uh, annual reports and stuff actually shooting on the iPhone rather mm-hmm. than my, my big cameras and that just gives you so much more freedom yeah and that's <laughs> noteworthy too I mean to see that the iPhone is actually at a point where yeah. people are able to accept it it's for nothing, 
there's nothing wrong with the quality as long as you choose the right conditions to shoot and that's the trick I mean like if you try and shoot in very low light or very harsh light uh, you can have problems although with sure. the new iPhone uh, you know I can only relate to iPhones but with the new iPhones um, you know they are getting better for um, for latitude and light and dark areas which, which traditionally will have yeah, problems with, with, with digital but um yeah, the um, I love the iPhone. Well, one I comment I'd like to make on this on this image this image of Hori is that just you know with a with a square with the square framing the square crop and the textures the blend of you know his hair the tattoos on his face the clothing he's wearing and then the wall behind him I mean this is like a like a really texture rich image and the, and 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 interestingly enough they're kind of complementary to each other which is no mean feat. So I think you sense that when you're setting up the image that there's something, you know, it's all working together. And yeah, well, the trick is obviously, as as um, as any any photographer should know, is that the background shouldn't take away from mm-hmm. the subject. You know, there's there's got to be a, it's got to be there. But you know, obviously, when you look at Hori, you you go straight to his face because he's got such a strong face, and that particular wall that he's leaning against, you know, another two feet along, it's quite different again. So right. you know. There's, you know, there's everywhere you look. There's places to take sure. photographs. You can find them and say, right, I'm going to bring someone back here. Right. So, so Johnny, j- just for context, I mean, how long have you been shooting photographs for? I mean, when did you start? When I was a kid, you know, my dad was a doctor, and and he had a hobby of taking photographs, and he mm-hmm. used to. Uh, a block off the kitchen with the black curtaining and get his enlarger out and, oh, wow. and do prints. So I sort of got an understanding of photography way back then. So I've been taking photos all my life, you know. What was your first camera? Do you remember? It was an old box brownie. Ah, sure. Good old brownie. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So you've, you've got, you know, a, a few dozen years of photography behind you. Yeah, man, I got a couple under my belt, you know, and um, you know that's that's definitely my passion, and uh, and as long as it stays that way, I'm going to keep taking photographs. I mean, it's pretty hard to stop me. Sure. Okay. I do like walking every day, walking in uh, in in from in into town from home, and that's a good hour and a bit walk. So I do that. Partly for exercise and partly because there's always a good chance that I'm going to run go. into someone or something I want to photograph. Sure, sure. So it's good for the body, good for the mind, good for the soul, good for yeah. the eyes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So that's me. So let, let's, uh, let's, why don't we go to another image? I think you're going to choose uh, the next few images. So one, one was Hori. Now where are we going? Are you going to direct us down your Instagram page? Yeah, Do you have another you image of mine? There's, a, there's what looks like a, um, well, it's actually this, it's actually a dead cat, and the cat has probably been dead, I'd say, for 30 years. So it's just a flat, a flat, um, basically mummified cat. So there's and, like a mountain in the background behind it. It's just a hill. A hill behind know, it, a right? Paddock. Got it. it Got it. Past. And I, you know, the interesting thing is I found this cat probably 20 years ago, and and uh, I'm a big an, uh, animal lover, so I had to be very careful with my story because people would think that, hey, what a macabre thing. Photographing <laughs> a dead right. cat, as I described in my story, you know the spirit's gone, the soul's gone. It's just a, it's just an abstract form, and, and because it's so flat, like it must have perished 
um, and ended up on a, on a concrete floor of a shower in an old house. So it was dead flat. And over the over years of decay, gravity took over, and it's become completely flat. So flat you can put a rule along its its body. It's just flat and probably about half a quarter of an inch thick. So I carried it around in a box for years, waiting for the right opportunity <laughs> to photograph it. And everyone that saw it said, my God, what do you keep that thing for? <laughs> so every time I go on a roadie, which is quite often, I take something to photograph. And my last trip to Auckland, which was a couple of weeks back, I thought, right, I'll take this cat. So I had it in the boot of the car and uh, and took all the back roads. And, you know, nothing was planned, but you suddenly see a background that you think, my God, that's going to work. So you might, you know, I waited for an hour for the light to come right, and every time a car drove past, I'd have to hide the cat because uh, it looks a bit weird holding a skeleton of a dead cat up on the side of the road taking a photograph. A bit, of it. a bit, yeah. So you've got to, you know, be a little bit, a little bit um, careful with what you do. But yeah, that's that's where that story. Um, and you know, I got lucky because of sunlight. So, so were you just freehanding both the cat and the iPhone at the same time to get the shot? Yeah, it was the cat with a tail, and uh, which was completely... <laughs> so it's <bone> pretty rigid. <laughs> but, um, you know, I got lucky with um, with a little patch of sunlight that sort of crossed over this, the, uh, the mummified form of the cat and also cast a little bit of light in the background. But um, that's one thing about photography that we all know. You're always prepared for the unexpected, and the unexpected might be rays of light or it might be something in the composition but as long as you're always prepared for the unexpected you're always going to get you've always got a good chance of getting photographs that are different and people say my that's great how did you do that on that on that note how many of your really really good images would you say was serendipity as opposed to what you set out and hope for you follow my questions yeah well you can put you can put those two cases in different boxes i mean you know, you can go out with um, not, a, you know, just sort of thinking, oh, I might find something to photograph today, and you won't, and then suddenly you'll come across something out of the blue, or you'll set up a photograph completely, and all the elements in the photograph you think carefully about, when you compose it, and you put the person in just the right spot, and you've got the right props, and the right background, and the right everything, versus shooting spontaneously, and just boom, finding something. Are you are you more satisfied by the ser- the serendipity ones that you didn't expect and and but blew you away when they're finished, or are you more satisfied by the ones that you conceived and set up just the way you had envisioned and and executed it that way? Oh, it's fifty fifty because the okay. ones that you, uh, that just happened before your very eyes when you're least expecting them, they're very spontaneous and they you have a different reaction to something that's spontaneous because it, you weren't expecting it. Whereas if you set up something yourself. In a way, it's contrived, but you shoot it in such a way so it doesn't look contrived. Right. Um, but uh, so, so that makes me other. think. It makes me think that a lot of what we call art is really an illusion, uh, or even kind of like a kind of a trick, because it's something that is contrived. But if it's executed well, it doesn't look contrived, and it doesn't feel That's contrived. What, you can you can go back to the famous French photographer Henri Cartier-Bresson. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his famous picture of, of in the in the 20s of someone uh, uh, leaping over a puddle. The puddle jumping, yeah. You know the one. And, sure. And, and the heel of their of their foot is just 
is just this, just a millimeter above the surface of the water. Mm -hmm. Well, I read about that image recently, and that, and he got the person to jump over that puddle probably twenty times. Well, sure. You know, I know the feeling because uh, I do the same with some photographs. I get some some poor person I've never met before, and I get them to repeat something over and over and over again until I get it right. Because you know, with the iPhone, there's a, quite a delay in the shutter speed. You know, yes. And the shutter actually falls, so. You know, you miss so many good shots, which you don't yeah. miss with a real camera. And you also get some slightly better ones because of the delay where it may be it added an interesting element in motion that you had not anticipated and, and added something, uh, just another feature that, you you know, you weren't thinking about. And it's kind That's of right. so kind of a combination of deliberate and serendipity. So, That's right. yeah, yeah, combo is a good one. The combo is a good one. So, so what part is this? Okay, so this part uh, where you stage the shot, you're saying it's. Uh, uh, you're gonna have to help me. So these are all Maori words. I think White Waitotara Beach. Did I get that close? Waitotara Beach. Oh, Waitotara what, Beach. Okay. Which one was that? Just direct me to that shot. This um, is the cat one. The cat one that we're. It says that. Oh, you were. You were oh, the, that's where you, you rescued the mummified story. cat. That's not where you took it, the shot. It's a long story because 20 years ago I used to do a lot of aerial photography work and we used to fly around in helicopters and I knew a few of the pilots and they'd always go out of their way to take me on little joyrides. And we were flying back up the coast and we saw this old, old house which you couldn't see from the road. And uh, so I got to fly over it and took a few reference pics and um, I went back there a couple of weeks later That's and that's where I found the cat because the Waitotra Beach is in the middle of nowhere. Um, and in a part of the part of the North Island, which is a beautiful part called uh, Taranaki, which is on the on the wild west coast, that's where I spent a lot of my a lot of my early days. You know, just hearing you talk about, it, I, th I think most Kiwis I've met just really love their country, and I can see why it's such a beautiful place. And I'm, I'm, you know, just hearing you talk about, it, you could tell there's such a love that you have for the land there. Yeah, well, mate, uh, every uh, every every country has its beauty. Sure, and you know. Um, you know, everywhere there's beautiful places. You just gotta, you just gotta find them and 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 revel in them and think how lucky you are to have those on your doorstep. But you know, people say, oh, you're so lucky you get to go to all these places to take photographs, you know. And, and I say you can find beautiful photographs everywhere, mate. You just gotta keep your eyes open and look for them. Exactly. Or conceive, you know, conceive them and then bring them about. That's right. Okay. That's so, right. So, is there anything else in this image that you care to share with us? Not really, just that, you know, the, the composition was a bit contrived. You know, I, I, I tried to get the elbow of the of, of the cat on that hill, but, you know, that's something that happens just, you know, while you're shooting, you just, you, oh, you so just you, make it happen. Your, you your goal was to have the elbow actually resting on the very top of the hill. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, I, I was going to say, if, if I had if I was going to critique this, I would say, I would let a little bit more light through just to show, but I see where you're going, so I'll just shut up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, every photograph that anyone takes has got a story. And, sure. And, you know, it's sort of, like, sort of like music. You can go back to music from your early years in life, and they take you back to that stage of your life, the same as... The same as um, Photos, you can go back to the moment when you took that photo and you remember right. everything. Okay, so. And as I said, that I've got a terrible memory, but um, when it comes to photographs, you know, I forget nothing. Right. Okay, so for the third image, where are we we're going to be looking at, uh, Johnny? Where are you going to well, take us? Well, I'd like for story content, 
uh, for a bit of humor, which people can learn from humor, but the story's fun. There's an image of a of a toy handgun, which is a okay, like American the fourth row, like the fourth row in between the the curve sign and the and the head. No, it's a couple more down. There's a there's a handgun stuck on a bit of wood with the oh, trees behind. I got it. So we're talking about let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, row eight, the first one on the Instagram page. Right. You got it, and 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 the story with that is, you know, on that rodeo, I decided to take a handgun with me, and um, you know, it's it's probably only slightly longer than the cigarette packet, but it's but it's metal, and it's American, and it's and it, it's a classic 1930s kids toy. Mm-hmm. And I was driving out of Taupo, which is in the sort of middle of the North Island, and it was beautiful fog in the morning, so I, the perfect opportunity, so. I was on the main state highway between Auckland and Wellington, which which is sort of part of it goes through forest and it's very quiet and there's no you know there's no no one living anywhere near. So I got out of the car with a sort of toy handgun, poked up my stick, and sort of got those trees in the background. While I was doing that, someone must have driven past and seen me doing this and saw the gun, which is which is not a gun, it's a toy gun. Right. They, they died one 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 on your your country and we're America's nine nine nine, and um, twenty minutes later I was I was driving north minding my own business and I saw these two police cars coming behind me so with, <laughs> with flashing lights so I pulled over and waited for them to pass but they pulled them behind me three more cars arrived they got out there were two armed defenders squad cars seven police two of them were armed four of them were armed and they handcuffed me searched my car and. Um, Found this handgun, and uh, you know it was it was uh, as it was happening. I was thinking, this is great for my Instagram story. You know, there was no, there was no, um, I wasn't scared. It was just, it was just, oh my god, what's going on here? How how long so, did you have to explain to them before they realised that nothing was going on and just let you be? Oh, they let me talk for ten minutes, and they didn't have an ounce of humour. <laughs> of course, otherwise, why would they become cops? That's right. It was just a waste, waste of taxpayers' money. I made that point and said, mate, this is a bit of a joke, isn't it? And the guy said, looked me right in the eye and said, it's not a joke. We take every reporting of a handgun as seriously as serious. And I said, that's so good. Good on you, mate. And it's true. You <laughs> right. need to. Right. Anyway. So, so yeah. It seems cops the, are the same the whole world round. I mean, you know, it seems it's basically the same personality type, the same attitude. You know, just kind of the, the you know, the us us and them mentality. Yeah, but mate, I have to say, you know, there's good cops and bad cops. Sure. The same as any profession, there's good photographers, there's bad ones, and Absolutely. there's the bad ones give the good ones a bad name. So I think most 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 police all you know, in most countries are doing the job they have to do and they do it well, but um then there's the idiots that don't and we've heard about a few of those lately. Right. You know, the thing I like about this image, okay, as an American, you know, I grew up kind of in the big city back east, but I did spend a fair amount of time in the west. Uh, you know, I went to school in Tucson, Arizona, and that's desert, but there's also mountains. So, I mean, it just kind of, I, I just get the sense of, you know, some western scene, and I think, you know, um, without really thinking about it too much, it, it, that that's just kind of the overall feel. And so it also makes me feel like, you know, maybe I'm back in the 30s or something. So yeah. that's the mood I get. And I like it. Yeah, yeah because it's got no time. It's timeless. Yeah. Because nothing, nothing that says when it was taken. 
That's right. Okay. Yeah. The um, the timelessness is nice. Yeah. But that applies to a lot of photographs too. I mean, you can see a photograph and there's no point of reference that takes you back to the to an era. No, I, I think there's something good about that because I think the timeless ones are also good for people that maybe don't particularly like fo- photographs or don't normally look at them, but because it has a timeless nature, it's easy for them to engage with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a photographer, it's interesting to to show people photographs because, you know, a good photograph will do something in the sense that it will get people thinking. Mm-hmm. And everyone sees different things in images. Yeah. Um, you know, we're bombarded in this day and age with, with you know, everything is visual. There's you know, photographs we see in magazines and billboards and everything is everything's pretty and, and moving very fast and it's boom, 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 image, image, image. So to get people to stop and look at a photograph, there has to be in some way a point of difference. Right. Good point. Or grab someone's attention, and it can be any number of things. Okay. And I, what some people will notice, other people won't. So, you know, it's an interesting thing. I've got a question for you, and it's based off of one of my pet peeves with my photography and people interacting with them, and that is, does it bother you when people are looking at something a little bit abstract and like, well, what is that? You know, what are you trying to say here? What what is happening there? I mean, that always drives me crazy because I feel it's like, well, what do you what do you feel? What do you think? Because I don't, you know, maybe I didn't have any idea. And even if I do, it's like, why is my idea more important than yours? Because it's not what I put into it. It's what you're taking away. I mean, so what do you have to say on that? Well, I don't really, you know, I just, the people say, you know, you know what's going on in this image? And I say, well, I just like it for this and this and this reason. And, and I always say to people, listen, my, you know, with my personal work, my primary objective is to please myself. And if I like the photograph, you know, I like the photograph, otherwise I wouldn't be showing someone. If other people like it, that's great. And if they don't, I'm not offended at all because sure. I, I'm not I'm not setting out intentionally to please everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm setting out primarily to please myself and to satisfy my own uh, creative, creative juices or whatever you want to right. call them. And, and hypothetically speaking, if I say, oh, Johnny, you know, this image actually gets me sexually aroused, I don't think you're going to be bothered by that. that. Maybe that's not what you're trying to achieve, but it's like, you know, for me, it's like, hey, if that's what you took away from it, great. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad it meant something to you. I'm glad you had some, you know, strong feeling. And that's okay. Yeah. Because I think everyone yeah. can take some ownership, you know. It doesn't have to be all of, you know, all about what I thought and I saw. You know, that's why that's why I like to hear what other people feel. Yeah, yeah. And it's always good to get opinions, too. You know, I, I always show, you know, show images that I'm not sure about to my friends and say, hey, what do you think of this? And, uh most of them just annoy me, so they will say, oh, this is crap, you know, delete it. <laughs> right, right. Okay, um, so where, where are we going to go to the next image? Well, let's 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 go down a couple. There's, okay. Um, it, it's going to be pretty hard for the listeners to relate to these because we're just describing them, but there's a picture of a Hasidic Jew in okay. New York. I see it. The He's got a window frame right behind his head. Yeah. Okay. And that's a shot where I saw the wall, and um, and I thought, right, and this was in um, in Williamsburg, in in the bottom of Brooklyn, and and a lot of most of Williamsburg is owned by the uh, the Hasidic Jews. Right. And they're very private people. They don't let you photograph them. Um, 
they've got their own lives, their own schools, their own buses, their own, their own unit, and they keep to themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to actually get someone to pose for a photograph, and I can, you know, I can talk most people around into into um, being a photograph for me, but these guys, you wouldn't waste your time. So I, I stood by that wall probably an hour and a half, standing between two cars where no one could really see me and pretending I was talking on the phone until the right people walked by uh, unbeknown and that I was there. So, um, you know, that you would call that contrived, but, um, you know, I like the, the repetition of shapes and the hat and the window and, and uh, it's just another little story about an image that, that means a lot to me that it possibly doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but that's the way it is. Yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I, the lighting, the lighting on his face and the hat, you know, it just really adds a, a lot. You know, the, the the background is nice, but the the lighting was so nicely captured here. The exposure is just really spot on, and uh, you can really appreciate. He's a nice looking man. I mean, just uh, I don't know what he's thinking about. Maybe just passing along, yeah. but you you almost it's get like, a sense that he's thinking about something. And space story, and it could be any story you yeah, want to make out. Sure, sure. And uh, you yeah. know, he's got a nice full beard, and. Uh, yeah, it's a good. Interestingly, I see in the in the caption at the very top it says uh, Bedford Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, and I actually lived on Bedford Avenue, but uh, probably about, well, I'd say probably about ten or eleven miles from that point. I was kind of going more in the other direction, away from the water. Your Bedford Avenue is the longest road in, in New York. It's it's one of the longest ones in Brooklyn for sure. Yeah, it just goes forever. Yeah. I tried to walk the whole length once, but mm-hmm. I didn't record all the way long. I was but, over by know, Brooklyn College. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so um, have you have you taken other images of Hasid, uh, of Hasidim, or is this just the the yeah, one-off? No, there's lots. You have to scroll, scroll okay. quite a way back. But Got you know, I, I I like to hang in that area and just and just wait for something to happen. And um, first, I got lucky once. I was. I was, you know, trying to be, you know, trying to be sneaky and 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 not too intrusive and waiting for the right people to walk right. past for another shot. And, and what happens certain days of the week because of their, um, is it a, you call it a religion or their their custom, they right. can't, they they're not allowed to turn anything electrical on. That would that would be during the Sabbath. So that would be from that would be from sundown on Friday evening until. Um, until sundown on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, anyway, one of these guys came up to me and talked, which is quite unusual. He, he said, please, can you come and help us? And I said, of course I can. And he said, um, we want you to come down into our house and turn a light switch on for us, or PowerPoint. So, of course, I did that. and I had to get on my hands and knees and climb under this table with a room full of strange-looking people I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Flick a light, you know, flick a PowerPoint onto them. It was quite bizarre. Right. Um, and I thought it would give me a few photographic opportunities, but nah. You know, one but thing was, I'd like to propose here, and I, I think I think you'd be amenable to that, just for any listeners, that when you do go through the Instagram site and also Johnny's uh, website, which we'll uh, put in the notes, uh, Johnny, I'm sure you'd be amenable if any if any of the uh, the listeners and viewers of your images have a specific question or curiosity yeah, about some image of yours, they could contact you. And if you have time, you could probably 
engage with them a little bit about that? Yep. Okay. No problem. Sure. So any email or direct direct message me on Instagram, one or the other. Right. So you heard it, folks. I mean, if, if there's a particular image that really appeals to you in some way and touches you in some way, you'd like to uh, bounce that off of Johnny. By all means, do so in a comment on Instagram or direct message or via his email, which we'll list uh, for his website. So just so you uh, just so you know that. Okay. So let's go on to uh, the next image. What do you got for us? Well, I'd like to, to, to change change tact a bit. And, sure. And um, I just had one before, which which was um, photographing nudes. If you go down, there's a there's a photograph of a nude lying in the in the roots. Of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that image. Got it. I'm right there. Fig tree. Over the years, I've I've um, I've photographed lots of nudes, not not as a sexual object, but as, as an object to put within a within a background where there's more background than human. Um, I did a series of uh, aerial nudes, which sounds a bit weird, but it's photographing <laughs> from a helicopter from a bird's eye perspective. Okay. From, from at least 500 feet high with a, with a longish lens, because I love the bird's eye perspective. And this particular shot of the of this of this beautiful girl uh, who was a who was a life model for art classes. Um, you know, I saw the roots of this tree because I climbed the tree and and I loved the shapes that, that the roots were creating. And I thought to myself, right, I, I'd like to put a nude in there, um, which is the way I shot a lot of my nudes. I'd find a location and think, right, what's what's cool about this shot? What's going to give it scale? So. Um, I had a lot of friends, um, you know, that posed for me or, or knew people from art classes that would pose and, you know, I'd get them copies of the prints. In this particular shot, it was a really, really cold day. Oh, um, wow. I had to climb this tree. It was, it was 7 o'clock in the morning and she came along with a boyfriend and they were both wrapped up in rugs and uh, every time a car came past, he had to throw a rug over her so no one could see her. And uh, you see the... Um, yeah, the shape of the body sort of uh, fits into the shapes formed by the roots of the tree. It's actually quite hard for the listeners to talk about an image if they can't see what I'm talking about. But, right. Um, well, we'll 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 have the images available for the uh, mm-hmm. for the visual podcast that we do, so they'll be able to make a better connection that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing too on on the visual, which I happen to be looking at right now, is as you're sharing, is interestingly almost almost directly be, be below the model's pubic region or vagina in particular, there's a shape of the roots that actually looks kind of like a, a vagina and or a uterus uh, yeah, right below. And so that's a perfect tie-in. I mean, there's a, you know, the subliminal yeah, suggestion. I, yeah, I saw it as, as, as you know, as pre-birth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, like a woman's, a woman... A woman about to give birth. So or it's just kind of that, primordial, a little bit. Yeah, well, that you know that beautiful, those beautiful shapes and the beautiful moment. You know that that that's that's part of what I saw. Right. And sort of having, having the uh, the model lie in that way, which is the way a, um, a young child would be lying inside a womb. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of works quite well. Yeah, it was very well conceived. And and interesting, this one this one is rectangular, so this one. Um, it's 
was shot that in the real camera. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a really nice <laughs> image. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was from 2013 is what it says. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Cold day. You're from the archives, yeah. So there's so much stuff to look at here, but um, so Mark, what other what other photographic questions do you want to fire at me? Well, you know, actually, there's one image that that I kind of like. That's just above. Okay, so if we go from the new, which is on the left side, and the road just above, there's a tiny airplane above her in the hand, and then right next to that, I'm guessing this is an Aboriginal fellow, maybe a homeless fellow with like a snake yeah, graphic above. That's it. an interesting story. Yeah, there's there's a part of Wellington. Um, Called Newtown, which is which is a sort of lower socio economic um, uh, area, which I like because the people are real. You know, they're, they're feeding on the ground. They live in um, they live more modestly. And and this particular person, um, I'm not sure whether it's a he or a she, um, but I've always thought it's a she. So, you know, I pass her on the street quite often when I'm walking into town and I always, always say hello and, you know, we, we sort of established contact like that. And one day I couldn't help myself and I stopped and asked her if, if she had time for me to take a photograph. And prior to, prior to me asking, I found a spot close to where she was sitting, which is only a couple hundred metres away, where that white line was on the wall. So I whipped her around there and she had a beanie on, so I got her to take a beanie off and uh, it was all over and about probably only got half a dozen shots, but um, it's the same thing, you know, finding a background that in some way complements what you're going to put into the shot, you know, the person you're going to put into the shot, so so it works. Yeah, and you've, you've got it framed very well, too. Uh, is, is that actually a snake graphic, or is it a wave, or just a random just a, thing? Just some, some graffiti guys gone past with a spray can and buggered up someone's nice wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it set up your shot very well because it, it's almost like, a, yeah, it just frames it very nicely. And it, yeah. it lends, you know, kind of, a, I don't know, kind of a primitive element to it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not something, again, it's hard, it adds a little bit of mystery, which is kind of nice. And, it gives you know, a trick. And people think, what's going on here? And that's good. I like to get people thinking. Yeah, it's kind of like know, the WTF factor. Like, you know, what exactly is going on? Sure. Yeah. So right. it draws people in. Is it a hook? There's a hook in the show. Yeah, and I mean, it could be negative thoughts or positive thoughts. Doesn't I don't matter. As long as people thinking. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So yeah, no, this is this is a nice image. Um, so you know, you you mentioned doing some commercial work. You said you obviously had a lull uh, with the the current uh, situation, but how how long have you been doing uh, corporate kind of work, um, and and specifically with the with the iPhone? Well, probably since you know, I've I've been shooting on the iPhone since uh, since the advent of iPhones, but um, you know, only in the last probably half a dozen years have I been taking it really seriously because the quality has been getting better and better. And you know, I direct a lot of my clients uh, to my Instagram, or they can link to my Instagram through my website. But uh, you know, when I'm you know, when I've got no work and or nothing better to do, I'll, I'll flick emails to friends and colleagues, and you might be designers or um, or clients, and you know, just just keeping in touch. And I'll attach a couple of my most recent photographs, and and you know, quite often they say, "Man, how do you get that quality?" 
and I'll say, oh shit, on the iPhone, you know, and and this is how I get it to look like that, and this is how a few clients have said, right, we'd like to commission you to, um, you know, to shoot some stuff, shoot some corporate stuff on the iPhone, mm-hmm. and when you're doing portraits of these these the top executives that are used to the big flash cameras and the flashing lights and the assistants and the makeup artists and the this and that. And the photographer comes along with no camera except his iPhone in his pocket. And, <laughs> you know, they say to me... They're taking oh, it back a little bit. Yeah, why are you shitting on the iPhone? And I very politely say, well, why not? And and you get them on board by, by showing them a few samples of what you've done. But also they are pre-warned that they're going to be photographed on the iPhone. But um, certainly people will react very differently when you point an iPhone at them versus... A, big flash camera on a tripod with lights and all the other paraphernalia that right. the photographers have. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of those, a lot of those um, props and or tools are very distracting um, and, and getting something, you know, and, and also just kind of fussy. I mean, there's no way around it if you use the conventional tools and needing the lighting and the reflectors, et cetera, et cetera, cables, uh, you know, all of that stuff. But there's something about just being able to walk up to someone and just you know break out the iPhone and get a killer shot and then you just sh- and before you even process it just you know with the raw shot itself show it to them and they're just like wow that's <laughs> right that's yeah. right yeah yeah you know one yeah. thing I noticed and, and this is interesting to me because I mean I love animals I'm not uh, I'm not a lover of animal photos per se but there are people that shoot animals in a very interesting way and really intrigue me and you happen to be one of them I really like. A lot of the shots that you have with animals and particularly horses I think you have it seems to me you have a real love for the, the form of a horse uh, I, yeah I've got a real love for the form of any animal um, you know I, I I can't imagine the two things in, in life that I can't imagine not not having one of them is music and the other is, is uh, animals because um, you know animals are, are smarter than most humans give them credit for and mm-hmm. um, and and you know uh, animals pick up on on how you feel about them. I mean, it, it might sound a bit silly to some to some people, but um, you know, I just I love being around animals. Um, your horses, cats, dogs, anything. You know, I don't actually own own an animal at the moment, so I take lots of pleasure in um, meeting other people's pets and animals and horses and you know. When I'm driving a long distance, I waste so much time stopping and talking to horses or climbing over a fence and photographing animals. But um, because any animal, like even if they're really shy, like like some horses and particularly more cows or cattle, if you climb over the fence and sit down, mind your own business, they eventually all walk up and check you out. Mm-hmm. And they get, you know, they get right up to you, and that's when you get the opportunity to get these photographs that are slightly different sure yeah it's it's making me think back to some early pink floyd album covers oh yeah, yeah. so well that okay so you mentioned animals and you also mentioned music so just out of curiosity um what are what are some different kinds of music that have been on your playlist over the years i mean what you well know? i was brought up with classical music okay my dad obviously classical people and, and my dad Played a bit of piano and I played a little bit of guitar very badly. And um, I've got a, I've got three kids. One son, one son who's a who's a very good musician who plays guitar and uh, classical guitar and rock guitar and he plays piano and um, 
So, you know, I listen to all sorts of music. You know, I haven't got one particular type of music that I like any more than the other. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's always going to be music playing, playing in your life somewhere, even if, it's, even if it's only in your head. Right. Okay, so other than classical, were there any more uh, popular forms of music or rock or... Uh, I was into jazz and blues and, you know... Okay. So any, any particular jazz artist that you have a, str- a strong love for? Oh, God, you know what? Because you've asked me, I can't think of ah, any. Okay. <laughs> and how about blues? Can you think of any blues musicians? Ruby King, Freddie King. Uh, oh, hey, oh, well, you just named... You, I mean, once you get into the Kings, you can't... And how about the other King? Begins with an Albert. A. Albert, there you go. King, yeah, I know the Kings. I actually, I actually photographed B.B. King in a concert in London. Did you? Cool. And then when he came to New Zealand, he was playing in the Wellington Town Hall. Might have been the other way around, I can't remember. But um, between between shows, when in those days you could walk right up the stage, and you know, me, me being a Scorpio, I'd, I'd get anywhere I wanted to go, so I got right up close and got some great pics of B.B. Uh, King playing Lucille. And and I got and I did some black and white prints. So when I saw him the next time, I managed to con my way backstage through a whole lot of different security checkups of these little packet of black and white prints because I said I wanted to give them in person to BB King because I was such a fan. Must have been in London. And uh, I got backstage after the gig and got to meet him and had a beer with him and gave him some prints. I kept the beer can for about 20 years. And he signed one of the prints for me, um, which I still got. So yeah, I've um, music. Music's always with us. Do, do you know Do you know what his name stands for? BB. Uh, I should do, but no, I don't. It's actually Blues Boy. Oh, there you go, then, eh? Yeah, and so that that was his nickname as a as a kid when he started playing. Because oh, here's that Blues yeah. Boy, Blues Boy yeah, King. Yeah, I saw Freddie King in, in, in London. Did way you? Back. I love Freddie King. I'd say I'd say of the three kings, I probably love Freddie the most. Nah, BB mate, BB every time. Well, I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't love BB. I mean, BB is a, I mean, BB is one of the most distinctive sounds out of any guitarist, especially electric guitar. But I, yeah, I yeah. just happen to really love Freddie King's playing overall. I think I think Freddie King is basically Eric Clapton's daddy. Okay, what was what was what was what was Freddie King's uh, last album called? Here we go. It's a question for you. Oh, uh, I lose. I mean, Madman, Madman across the water. Madman across the water. Uh, is, well, didn't Elton John have an album by that name? No, we might have done, but maybe I got it wrong. But um, anyway, he was, was he was great. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it just you know, Freddie, Freddie just resonates with me, and and I think probably in a lot of ways that I don't know. My feeling is like Freddie's maybe the least known of the three kings. Uh, I mean, they're all great and they're all different, and I don't think they're related. It's just you know, com- uh, common name. Yeah. But, Interesting, eh? Yeah. Three kings. And I've shared some, you know, in in some of our back channel conversation, I, I've shared uh, some uh, music related stuff. So it seems you have some awareness of punk and and maybe. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. how, how about in the in the punk vein, or uh, you know, maybe seventies, eighties, that, that that period of music? Anything stand out for you? Oh, um, so much, so much in there. Billy Bragg, uh, or Billy Bragg was later. Um, it's not punk anyway. Um, kind of punky folk. Um, 
once again, I kind of think even you know you, you know, now you want, me to, want me to. Well, you knew about the that. stiff little fingers. Were they were they a, a, a popular yeah. band for you? Yeah, yeah, they were great too. Yeah, um, a lot of the English punk bands, which is really the home of punk, like the Fall. Yeah, yeah. Gang of Four. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. The English had some good ones. Um, yeah, that was that was that was kind of a special special period. You know, it's, I mean, okay. So now it made me think of a question because sometimes I find myself going out to photograph, and and for the most part, I'm, I'm more or less a street photographer, but not exclusively. But I'd say that's that's my main track. And so a lot of times when I'm out shooting, I don't listen to music. Okay, I, I want I want my eyes to listen to visual music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to be distracted. I just want to I want my eyes to drink in things and draw me to something. Now, but when I go back and I process, sometimes, you know, it'll just you know maybe not be without some music. And other times I'll put music on, and I feel that maybe the mood of the music affects me how I process and and how that flows. So do you have any kind of a a process like that where you like to listen no, to music when you I, shoot, or don't, or like to listen no, to it in post. I, I can just process it. You know, I just process. It. I don't keep this musical what. You know, quite often when I'm taking a shot when I'm driving, I'll pull over to the side of the road and I'll process it then and there. And um, yeah, because I like things to, I like things to happen when they're. Well, that's the beauty life. of the iPhone. Because with the iPhone, yeah. I mean, I literally do that. When I was on holiday last week, my wife, a lot of times, while well, she's, you know getting ready to post her stuff on Facebook. I'm over there, you know, with uh, Vistax and then, uh, and then, um, uh, not the one you just mentioned, Snapseed, you know, yeah. I, uh, I shoot in, I shoot in Vistax and, and do a filter and then I go to Snapseed and get into the more granular stuff and then, you know, and, and doing stuff like that. So that's, that's the beauty too of, of shooting, uh, with the phone, how easy and quickly you can actually oh, yeah. get things processed and even, you know, up onto social media if that's what you want to do. That's right. Boom, boom. Yeah. Instant. Yeah. That's, that's the day. That's the that's the times you live in, mate. Things have got to happen now. So, other than New Zealand, obviously you've traveled around some. So, how much uh, you've d- done some photography in Europe? You mentioned England. You've also done some photography in the states. We know because clearly you had a picture uh, from New York. Did you do much traveling in the states other than the New York area? Um, yeah, well, I've done work in the past, uh, probably 10 years back now. Um, a lot of my work used to be international. I've, I've been to lots of places in America, and, and you know, there's, I've been very fortunate through my career to, to have lots of international travel to places that mm-hmm. um, I would normally never have the opportunity to visit. Did, and, uh, did you visit the Southwest, more. like uh, Arizona or New Mexico, down that way? No, I've been up. No, I've been. Um, no, I haven't been. Well, the, the closest I've been is is. Um, well, that's close to Texas. So I've yeah, been in geography. Texas is, is over that way. Yes. Albuquerque and some of those places. Albuquerque um, is in New Mexico. Yeah, well, there you go. See, um, you know, my my geography is not that good in my yeah. memory of the places I've been to. But yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've been to a lot of places um, doing work for clients that have given me the op opportunity to um, take photographs of myself at the same time so it's been a win-win now and, do you know travel do any of your children uh, participate in photography I know you mentioned your son is a musician yeah I've got another son in New York who's a photographer doing very well he shoots fashion oh. he lives in Williamsburg and he's been there he's been in New York now for 
probably 12 years. So he's a bit of a hipster? No, no, he's not a hipster really. He's just a very clever boy. You know, he's he's. Uh, okay, Dad, happy. don't get don't get all protective with me. No, where, where I was going with that is, I'm from the old Brooklyn. Okay, before it was cool, you know, it was just a place to be from. And then since I've been gone, you know, I had a renaissance of being kind of like the hipster capital, in particular Williamsburg, where you know you just mentioned. So that's why I went there. Nothing personal. Oh, Williamsburg's great. You know, it's sort of. Uh, it's more alternative, and right. Down, downtown Manhattan is is um, quite different. You know, I oh, it's changed a lot. It used to be much cooler. I can, I can relate to anywhere in New York, but um, you know, particularly places like Coney Island and uh, oh, I love Coney Island, Bronx and Harlem, and you know, all all my experience around New York has been walking on. You know, I'd average twenty five k's a day just. Of course, the there's tons of stuff to see. Do you know what I, I used know, to do when I was a kid? I'm t- when I, you know, if you go in the tube, you get different opportunities as well, but walking is a good way to see things. See, as a, as a kid in New York, I shot with my eyes only because at that time I didn't have a camera. But what I was doing was I would just wander around. I'd get sometimes like, um, you know, maybe a bottle of wine and just, you know, walk around with that, take some, you know, sips along the way, look at architecture, look at people. Uh, look at what they're wearing. You know, listen to how they sounded. All of this stuff, all this, all this information, and it, it's intoxicating because New York is just—it just never stops. And I mean, it's just like one thing. You know, you know that one thing after the next. So it's just like I realized that I was truly fortunate to have grown up in a city like that. I was also very fortunate to have a mom that uh, allowed me to have uh, some personal freedom because uh, she felt that I demonstrated that I can. Uh, you know, pretty much you know, follow along to the to the rules that she laid down, and like, you know, when to come home, and if you're not, you know, you better call and that kind of thing. And I didn't abuse it because I realized I had special privileges that you know kids my age didn't have, and I just had the time of my life, and I'll never forget it. That's right. It's an awesome, awesome part of the world. I go back my years. Very fortunate. So what, what would you say about Wellington? I mean, I know seen some. I mean, Wellington is like a, a small city. No, Wellington is the capital city. Yeah, but compared to New York. Oh well, New York, you know, or Tokyo, baby compared to New York, but um, you know, Wellington is is the bottom half of the is the bottom end of the North Island, and it's the capital city. It's where Parliament sits, and it's right next to the to the to the uh, a bit of water between the North Island and the South Island, which is called. Cook Strait, and the further south you get, the colder it gets. And Wellington picks up all the cold winds that come up from the south, so it's traditionally cold and windy. But it's awesome. It's a beautiful city. I mean, when you get good days in Wellington, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, what would what would be the season then? <laughs> it would uh, yeah, like to stand up. Well, give me the month, just because so, we'll get confused if we talk about seasons. Give me the month. What, what months would be ideal for Wellington? Oh, any time after, any time, any time, sort of mid to late summer. Well, give me months because, like I said, we're going to get confused if we talk about seasons because we've got northern, southern hemisphere issues. So give me a month. So I summer would, would be, that would be like now. Uh, no, summer would be like in in December. Yeah, summer, uh, middle of summer is sort of Christmas time. Christmas time. There you go. Okay, so now we have a context yeah. for those of us from the northern hemisphere. Okay. Yeah. You guys that live on the wrong side of the world. You well, know. you know, I mean, your toilets flow the wrong way. I mean, sorry to tell you that, but, you know. 
Now, your hand basins water goes out the plug the wrong way too. All right. So we're we're getting into some of that kiwi, that kiwi yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, aren't yeah. we? Uh, listen. Speaking of New Zealand in particular, you know, we you know we start out with Hori. Have you ever done uh, specialized sessions where you focused on Maori culture specifically and shooting Maori? So, what's uh, the beginning part of that question? Yeah, um, what I was asking you was, have you ever done any se- uh, any sessions or any series specifically on Maori people uh, visiting you know their villages and interacting with them? Have you ever done? Uh, Maori focused you know not as a series you know my my main series was the home series which was a concentrated three year project project, and that involved all sorts of um, all sorts of different people but you know um, no I've never done a series of the you know, just of the just of right. the Maori people so you don't have um, any you don't have any shots of like during a haka ceremony or anything like that uh, no, nah, because a lot of it is just touristy stuff. Right. I mean, it's been done. See, I mean, obviously, it could be done very, very beautifully. I'm sure, as it has been. Right. Because I have a friend. You know, I have a friend that's in uh, Hawaii, and his whole thing is focusing on the Hawaiian culture, and doing a lot of shots that are done a zillion times, but in a way that they haven't been done, and you really feel the heart and soul of it, not just kind of a kitschy. Oh, isn't that isn't that cute? Look at the Hawaiians being Hawaiian. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see the bulk of that stuff you see is done for the tourists. That's right. Why. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's that's why I asked because I thought, you know, if someone like you did it, you'd certainly elevate it and you would certainly do it with a different take on it and it would be interesting to me for that reason. Yeah, well, everyone sees things differently, eh, mate? Sure, sure. So yeah. we're, al- we're almost at the end here. So anything in closing that you would like to share? Uh you know, we had talked. To, were you were you thinking about possibly doing some um, uh, some training series? I think we talked yeah. about some seminars. Yeah. Or? I'm looking at trying to reinvent the wheel um, because commission works dried up, and I was thinking of um, you know thinking of finding a way of imparting some of my knowledge for those that. Um, if I can find people that are interested enough, but you know, by by whether it's some form of online tutorial or critiquing, or I'm not quite sure yet, but um, I've got a few ideas in mind, but but at the moment, and nothing set in concrete. So, so you're that. still kind of thinking through that, but in the meantime, if some people listening, some maybe uh, photographers, whether they be uh, beginners or even advanced ones, if they have an interest, or they feel a connection with you. If they if they reached out to you, you can probably dialogue with them and figure out something yeah. uh, to uh, uh, work with them within their um, yeah. within their goals and figure out a, a good but mutual time. And 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 like you know, in, in the next month or so, if people keep an eye on my Instagram. I'll be uh, I'll be starting to post a bit of stuff, which will uh, give people an indication of, of, of what direction I'm going to go. Okay, whether it's tutorials or um, I'm not quite sure, but uh, you know, I want to. That's the direction I'd like to go, so I can so I can uh, reach out to people that way. Sure, that's my intention. No, I think it'd be I great. I mean, you've been at this for so long; you get so much passion for it. You've got you've got such a creative eye and such an interesting take. I think a lot of people okay. would really like to uh, study and work with someone like you and and get some help and or you know just be challenged and uh, have a mentor. Um, so I think yeah, I think well, that'd be good. That's what I'd like to be doing because then I'm sort of giving something, but also I'm sort of, you know, 
being created at the same time. Sure, sure. Okay. Yes. Well, listen, my friend. If anyone's got any any ideas, let me know. I'm keen to learn. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. So uh, everyone listening, you heard the man. You know, if you have ideas or have a suggestion or a question, let him know and figure something out. And uh, maybe he can work out, um, you know, some kind of a training, uh, uh, tutorial kind of a thing, uh, whether individual or for group. I'm mm, sure Johnny's sure. Uh, willing well, and able to do that. So thank you, Matt. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean by by all means, I think I think that's really a good fit. I mean, you certainly got the qualifications. It'd be a shame not to uh, not not to make the most of them. And there's a lot of people that you know are always like, "Wow, I wish I could find the you know someone that's got that skill and that knowledge was is actually willing to you know share and and give input and 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 teach." So you know, why not win win, right? Yeah, well, that's my plan. So just. Uh Check me out on the gram, and, and we'll all keep in touch. That's awesome. Check them out on the gram, folks. You heard it here. Check them out on the gram. Hey, thank you so much for asking me all these questions, and I hope I've, I hope I've uh, been saying the right things. But it's just it's just uh, it's just nice to chat. Yeah, I've got, I've chat. got you down for an A minus. I'm I'm hoping next time we we'll get you up to an A plus. But I've got you down for an A minus. You're, so you're, you're doing pretty that. you're doing pretty smashing. All right, mate. All hey, right. Thanks very much, Mark. Yeah, well, it's been good, and uh, thank you for sharing some of your time and joining us at A Connector. And before we go, uh, just so everyone knows that we will have another, in addition to the audio podcast, which will be up soon, we will have a visual one that will go out on YouTube, and I will let everyone know, uh, and Johnny will put that uh, maybe on his Instagram uh, page for you to follow that so you can both hear and also watch the show that has a lot of the image we were talking about and some other ones as well. So on that note, I will say thank you, Johnny, and thank you folks for listening, and you all have a good day. Yeah, Mark, thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, ta-ta.